Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Before you take your seat, would you greet two or three people around you? Would you tell them welcome to Lifehouse? For those of you online, welcome to Lifehouse. Everyone from Tijuana, Coachella Valley, Wasco, East Bakersfield, Delano here in uh, Oildale and Bakersfield. Welcome to Lifehouse, everyone here. God bless you and thank you for the uh, courtesy and the honor of your visit or your attendance here in person. Uh, we've been speaking recently on the series, uh, sermon series that we've entitled All In. That's the sermon series. Most of you hopefully were given an outline here of the sermon for today's. There's also room in the back for notes, uh, something that God says to you, a verse that strikes you that you want to go back and revisit, something that you want to use later on for a life group or a gathering. Um, today, I'd like to encourage you to take this, find a pen or a pencil, or take pictures of the outline here on the screen. And I just want to encourage you that there's a way for us to learn together and to become Bereans, if you will, students of the Word of God, and we could go through the Word of God and, and study it together. Uh, today's message is entitled, um, the series is all in, and perhaps uh, the, the question or the declaration, what matters most? Uh, what matters most in life, uh, period? And if I were to ask you not only what matters most, but in Christianity, what is the most important issue uh, virtue thing in Christianity. What is the most important um, uh, uh, virtue in Christianity? And a lot of us, um, what would your response be this morning? If, if I were to ask you, if somebody, a friend, hey, what, is, what makes Christianity different than, say, any other religion, than any other dogma or faith in this world? What makes Christianity unique and maybe above all the other uh, uh, religions in this world. Most of us uh, would probably say maybe faith in Jesus because that's essential for salvation. Maybe believing in the Bible because that's essential uh, for our walk, our faith walk, and it is. These are areas or these are answers, if you will, that, that are way up there. There are cardinal truths. Uh, maybe it's living for God, that you've made a decision, not only that you have faith in Jesus, um, and that you uh, believe in the Word of God as the, as the, uh, as the infallible, uh, living, uh, trustworthy Word of God, our, our, our anchor, our foundation for what we are and what we believe. And living for God and then loving people is one of those that are right akin uh, to why we exist and what God calls us to do as a church, or maybe being faithful. Pastor, I want to be faithful to God. I think that's the most important, being faithful to our spouses, our children, or your calling, and all of you. All of you would be correct to just pointing this as a essential, as really important for your development, for your growth, and, and the why behind Christianity. But there was a, in a Mark chapter 11, there was a, a Jesus was, heavy, was being tested by the Pharisees. There were also students of the law or, or doctors of the law that were there present. And they began to first test him, uh, asking him, should they give uh, tribute to Caesar or not? And so, and they were testing him, trying to have Jesus stumble, if you will. And Jesus says, does anyone of you have a coin? Bring me that coin. Whose inscription, whose image is on this coin? And they said, Caesar. And then Jesus answered, well, give back to Caesar what is Caesar and give God 
What is God's, right? And they were astonished at his wisdom, at his authority. And the Sadducees then talk about marriage. Uh, one person was married to the same, I mean, a family of brothers were married to a same person. In heaven, who's going to be the husband uh, to this wife, if you will? The first one, the fifth one, the seventh one. And Jesus says to them, it, it, in, in heaven, there is not going to be marriages in heaven. And so Jesus brought like a new theology that was just way above even that which was being taught by the Sadducees or the Pharisees, but they were testing him. And then one person comes, he's a, 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 a man of the law, a, a doctor of the law, and he says to Jesus, and um, he asked Jesus, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them uh, a good answer. He asked, of all the commandments, he's asking Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important, uh, which is the most important? Jesus says the most, this is Jesus, not a prophet or, or another person. Jesus says the most important one, uh, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, or the people of God, hear this, that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we serve one God. How many say amen? And then he says, love your God. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Like this is like way more important that, than all the other virtues, than all the other steps, than the, all the other cardinal doctrines that we believe that Jesus says that the foundation of them all is to love your God. It was so important that Paul picks up this theme in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 and he says, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love. If I don't have this love, when I'm talking about love, it's important to di differentiate between uh, or agape love. Agapeo is the Greek word for this kind of divine love. It's to sense and see and do and sacrifice and give the way God would. Uh, to, to be able to sense and, and see things, see people, do things, sacrifice, surrender, do uh, things in like manner or feel the passion that Jesus or that God would do, that, that God loved, that it's a, it's a divine love versus an eros love, which is romantic love or phileo love, which is like my love, my brother, my sister. Um, I love you in Christ Jesus. But this is agape love. Agape is a divine form of love. The one that, that uh, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus as a gift, as a sacrifice, as a surrender and uh, in, in redemption, uh, in payment, if you will, for our uh, sins and our salvations, for God so loved agape, agapeo is the love that I'm referring to. And, but, uh, but Paul says, if I speak in tongues, in angelic tongues, if I have all these gifts, um, and, um, but I do not have love, then I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. He says, I am just noise. I just talk. Uh, but I'm not the real deal if I don't have love, even if I have these spiritual gifts. He keeps on saying that if I have the gift of prophecy uh, that can, and I can fathom all mysteries, uh, and I have all knowledge. I mean, this is pretty big. Uh, and I do, uh, and I have the faith, the kind of faith that moves mountains. But I do not have love, then I am nothing. That is, I am nothing. Like, like I'm this, I'm a shepherd, I'm a father, I'm, I'm moving forward. No, you, you are nothing. That, that's how fundamental agape love is, is, is that you, it doesn't matter you're, 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 if you have gifts, 
but you don't have love, you're a noise. All you are is a static. If you have these other virtues, the, the, the virtues of, that have to do with spiritual gifts and knowledge and faith that moves mountains, but if you don't have love, it doesn't matter that you're able to move mountains if you don't have love. In the eternity of things, you moved a mountain on this earth, but you did not move God's heart in heaven because you did it for the wrong reasons. It wasn't because of love. He continues to say in verse 3 that if, <clears throat> that if I gave my body... That if I, all my possessions, I gave away all my possessions, Paul said, and I gave my body, my body to be burned in sacrifice, in a holocaust, if you will. And if I don't have love, uh, I gain nothing. It serves me of no purpose. Uh, in other words, love is greater, greater uh, than spiritual gifts. Love is greater than all knowledge. Love is greater than faith. Um, and, and in essence, what I wanted to share here is that, is that this series is about our all-in um, uh, all um, core values that this church has. And uh, all-in, an acronym for A for authentic. Uh, the first L, which we're doing today, is to love God, love people. The second L is to live dead, which will be next Sunday's sermon, is, is how do you live dead? How do you make your one life count for eternity, if you will? Uh, and then the I is for intentionality, and the N is for never compromise. And, uh, and so, love. Let me share with you real quick seven things that love is and always does. Seven things that love is and always does. Always, always, according to this chapter. Love is patient. Say with me, patient. Love is kind. Amen. Uh, love protects. Love trusts. Say with me, hopes. Always perseveres. And love rejoices in the truth. So these are the seven things that, that Paul says that love always uh, evidences, always manifests. Uh, this is how you know that you love each other in a relationship. This is how you know that God loves you, that God is patient with you. How many say amen? How many say that God has been kind to us? Uh, God has protected you. God, you can, you can trust or God trusts you. Uh, there's hope. Uh, love always perseveres. Uh, and uh, love uh, rejoices, rejoices in the truth. Um, here's nine things that love never. Uh, nine things that love um, is not. And not, owes not. It was a miss, uh, miss uh, spell. Love is not. Nine things that love is not and never does. Uh, love does not envy. Uh, love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others, people. Love does not dishonor. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It doesn't say it's not angered. It's not easily angered. Uh, love keeps no record of wrongdoings. Like, hey, it's, you know, six times, ten times. As a matter of fact, Jesus told Peter that we're supposed to love, how, uh, forgive how many times? Seven times 70. I mean, that's how many times we're supposed to forgive. Why? Only love forgives seven times, times 70. Uh, just think of your kids and how many times we've forgiven our kids and how many times somebody has forgiven you that really loves you. <laughs> love keeps no records of wrongdoing. Love does not delight in evil. Love does not delight in, e delight in evil. And then my favorite of all of them is love never fails. Love never fails. How many say amen? So how is it that God has called you and me to love 
a God. So how do we love the Lord your God? Um, how is it that we do this? So let's finish verse 12, verse 29 in Mark chapter uh, 12. Mark chapter 12. The most important one, Jesus answered us to here is this, the, the commandment. The most important of all the things that God has ever said or God expects from us. Hear, O Israel, that the Lord our God, uh, the Lord is one. And then he says, love your, the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then he says, and, the conjunction and, uh, so and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. With all your strength. This is why we're calling this series All In. All In. And the most fun foundational, fundamental, important, um, overarching um, 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 virtue that God has called us to embody is to love God with all your heart, uh, soul, mind, and strength. So here it is, to love God um, with your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. So let's start. Uh, so pastor, how do we do this? How do we love God? So let's start with, you're going to need a new heart. No ifs, no ands, no buts. It's not within you. It's not part of your makeup. It's not part of your DNA, your flesh DNA, your carnal DNA is to love others. Uh, all of us were born since we were babies to be selfish, uh, to be um, self-considering, uh, to just be um, ego-driven. It's our ego, it's our selfishness that all of us have this selfish spirit in us. Um, it is always thinking, always calculating, always you're trying to figure out things. How does this benefit you? Even coming to church. So I was born and raised in church and I was saved in church many, many times. I don't know if you can be saved theologically many times, but I am proof that I was saved many, many times. I would come to the, to the altar because I was scared. Uh, and honestly, I didn't want to go to hell. So that's what I was saved. I was saved because I didn't want to go to hell. It wasn't, I wasn't saved because I loved God. I just didn't want to go to hell. Uh, secondly, I wanted God to bless me. So I wanted to be obedient because I wanted God to bless me. And it, most of the reasons were very selfish of why I was a Christian. I served God. I went to church. I, I didn't cuss. And this is truth. I've, I've, I don't recall ever cussing. It's, and that doesn't make me special. I've never drank alcohol, never smoked anything that I was not supposed to smoke. I've never smoked anything. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let me clarify that. I've never smoked. Um, when I was uh, all the way till I got married, I kept myself for, for God and for Linda. I never, I've never had extra, any kind of sexual uh, interludes with anybody. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I tell Linda is that growing up is that you'll never find somebody ever, ever to tell you that I crossed the line. Another uh, a person of the opposite sex that I crossed the line in some kind of manner. Uh, that it was that was inappropriate ever ever that that to my knowledge uh, period what, what I'm telling you but I was selfish I was just as a sinner as anyone else and I had the condition that everyone else has here and that's a deceitful heart so Jeremiah says that that the heart is deceitful above what things above all things so your heart and my heart, it doesn't matter if you were raised in church, never smoked, never drank, uh, you know, uh, just, just, um, just my heart was selfish, uh, deceitful. It deceived me and I was deceiving others. I was a great liar, great thief. Uh, I was uh, just, just not, uh, but I was saved, but not 
Uh, but not, I did not know how to love God and by extension, love others. This is the truth. Why? Because the heart is deceitful uh, and above all, is deceitful above all things. It is desperately wicked. Who will know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Just think about that, that the Bible says, and then Paul iterates and reinforces that everything that a person sows, a man sows, everything you, you plant, that's what you're going to reap. Um, you're going to get back whatever you sow in this life. And it doesn't matter. You might know the rules and I live by the rules the best way that I can, but that doesn't mean that I love God or that I love people. Uh, and that I loved others uh, the way I loved myself. How many say amen? Because I was the victim, and we still are many of us, all of us, to some degree, I was the victim of a deceitful and wicked heart capable of, of thinking the worst things, doing, mechanizing, uh, just uh, mo uh, being motivated uh, by anger and vengeance and vi vindictiveness um, and uh, um, jealousy, envy, uh, even the, the, the thoughts of, of, of having somebody else have uh, misfortune. Um, I might have asked God once or twice that it wouldn't matter to, that, that he would be doing this earth a favor if somebody just disappeared and he took him to heaven. In Jesus' name, he would take him to heaven. Um, so I give you a new heart, he says in, in Ezekiel chapter 36. So when he was talking about the, today's dispensation in the Old Testament, God says to Ezekiel, you know, the way I've talked to my people Israel and I've sent them prophets and I've sent them messages and I've got, had them go through a crisis. But in, in the crisis, they would repent and they would seek me during, the, during tough times. But then when things would go well, their hearts would go back uh, and I could not. How do I deal with my people? He says, there will come a day when I will give them a new heart. He's talking about us. He's talking about the dispensation of Jesus Christ. I will give them, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you the heart of stone that is, uh, that is basically unresponsive. And I will give you a soft, tender heart of flesh. One that is sensitive uh, to my voice. Uh, one that responds in the affirmative with, with the living God. I will give you a new heart. In other words, you and I need a miracle of a new heart. Um, I know that all of us or most of us are saved. If you're not, this is the day that you can be born again and give God your life. But even most of us Christians, we need the miracle of a new start. And you cannot have a new start without a new heart. Uh, you need the Holy Spirit to come in and minister to your heart. Identify those areas where there's deceit and wickedness and shadow and darkness and selfishness and greed and envy and anger and jealousy. All those areas where you resent other people being blessed. You resent what is happening in somebody's life around you. Uh, you're, you're divided. You're broken. There's dissension. You're lonely. You're, uh, and you're thinking, this is not fair. Why me? Look at that other couple. Look at this family. Uh, and, and look at how they're being blessed. And why do I have to go through this crisis? And that is a deceitful heart that is trying to, to convince you that you and I deserve anything better than death. And you and I don't deserve anything. Uh, we don't deserve grace. We don't deserve favor. We don't deserve being saved. But thank God that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And with this everlasting life, God can give you a new heart today.
like, like, a, like a new heart, Pastor. You, you're talk- yes, I'm talking a new heart. Uh, so David, the king, was once had a heart after God's own heart. He engages in uh, nefarious activities where his, his lust filled his heart. It was, it's called pornography. So he was looking through a window uh, of his computer, of his iPad, or of his phone, uh, 1,600 years ago, just looking. And he saw this beautiful woman uh, bathing. And he engages in what is called the attraction or a fatal attraction. And his lust was created in his heart. He has power. He has time. He has authority. So he goes and sends a... Uh, an envoy, go, go find out who that woman is. And then he finds out that that woman has a name, Bathsheba. And not only that, but that envoy is trying to help him. I uh, says, your highness, uh, king, that woman not only has a name, that woman has a father and tells him the name of the father. And not only does that woman have a name and the woman has a father and that father was one of his counselors, but that woman has a husband, Uriah, one of your servants. He's one of the 30 uh, uh, mighty men. So the woman has a name, has a father, uh, has a husband. And he's still just just not getting the hints. And and he goes about and engages in an adulterous relationship and then in a murder and then in a cover-up. And then the conspiracy gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Because even somebody that has a heart after God's own heart, when you get comfortable, when you get blessed, when you have prosperity, when you have the luxury of time, when you can sit at home, when you can watch anything, you can go anywhere, when no, you, where you don't give an account to anyone, when you are the boss, uh, when you're hiding something from your spouse, your husband, your wife, uh, when something goes wrong in that desperately wicked, uh, selfish, uh, egotistic, uh, sick heart of yours and mind, and there's no checks and balances, there's no telling what kind of damage you're going to do to yourself and others that you love and that love you, Mr. and Sister. Um, sometimes when I look around this, this room, it, I, you guys get me so mad. Just, just, I see somebody, ooh, it gets me mad and I lose my anointing and then it comes right back. Uh, so, so David says when he finds himself broken, when God basically calls him out and says, you are that man, you are that man. In Psalm 51, I've shared this with people, with many, many men, many women. When you want to truly go back to God and you want to God create in you and give you a brand new heart, go back to Psalm 51 and read the whole thing over and over and over until you know it by heart, uh, until you ask God for mercies and you ask God for forgiveness and you thank God for his goodness and you recognize that I alone and me, I and I alone have sinned against you. Uh, There's nothing wicked in you. Everything is wicked in me. When I was birthed, I was birthed in sin and I've been dealing with a sin issue all my life, uh, David says. And then he, he just says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then, oh God, create in me, create in me a clean heart, a new heart. Renew a steadfast spirit and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, uh, oh God. And I want to pause here because something's gone wrong in many of our lives where the enemy, where your heart, which is desperately wicked and perverse and deceitful, uh, has deceived us. 
And, and perhaps you've stumbled, you've made mistakes, there's something, there's anger, there's wickedness, there's envy, there's jealousy in your heart, there's brokenness, there's a frayed relationships, and yet today, God can give you a new heart. I know that for a fact, that God can give you a new heart. Uh, as a young man, uh, feeling a call from God, have you ever been called and you don't want to say yes to God? Right here. So God called me, right, raised in church. Uh, God called me on a Sunday morning like this. And, and I, I knew that I had been stricken. I had been smitten by God and that God was calling me to do the one thing I did never, I did never, I never wanted to do is be a pastor. I didn't want to be a minister. Every minister I knew was poor. Some of them were not true. Some of them were somewhat hypocritical. I knew certain ministers that were my family members that, that just, I just did not want. Every minister that I knew had some kind of issue. And or I did not want to go raise, you know, grow up to be poor. Every minister, pastor I knew was poor. And they were poorly talked about all the time, right? Somebody would always like. And then I resisted God with all my strength, with everything I had. Jeremiah chapter 20 says that God was greater. God was able to do more, that I could not resist God. Um, and that's my story. And one uh, morning on my way to BC College, I had the key to the, to the church. I go to an overflow and I start saying, God, take away this calling or help me deal with it. And then that day, that morning, I just, just, God changed my heart. I can't explain it. That's why I know if you ask my brothers, my siblings, they'll tell you that something happened that was so dramatic that the, the, the selfish saw, the, the egocentric, the ego-driven, the, the schemer, the liar, the competitive saw. Uh, something happened that morning when I got up from, that, from those pews, from that was actually in the carpet, just laying there for, for what it seemed like hours. And when I got up, something had changed in my heart. For the first time, I had this appreciation of what love was. For the first time, I understood that I did not deserve grace. I did not deserve to be saved. I did not deserve to be born in a Christian home with great Christian parents that love God, that, that live for God. Um, I had known um, just, just the best of life in a home that was very wholesome, if you will but never appreciated, never thanked God, never saw it as a, a mercy, an act of mercy from God. And I began to see my parents the way God saw them. I began to see my siblings, and I was the second oldest. I am the second oldest of my, of my, of my siblings, and I became the servant of all. I say, this, this, I say this sincerely. I began to serve my younger brothers, my sisters. Um, I began to just look out for them. Uh, do acts of kindness and and just uh, just I just changed, if you will. I was no longer competing. I would I would let people win. I I was a decent basketball player in Kern County. One year I, I led the current I le I led the county in scoring basketball. I'm not kidding. I mean, just look at this form right here. Just just this the fadeaway. Okay, the the moves. Okay, never mind. Some of you guys don't buy it, but it's true. So, you know, when you get competitive, so I would be playing two on two or one on one and I would let the person win and they were like, yeah, yeah. And I felt like, yeah, like the person won. I, I, it's hard to believe. It's hard to explain, but I had more joy in letting somebody and lifting somebody up than in beating somebody. 
than improving that I knew more, I could do more, I was smarter, better, faster, stronger. I mean, you guys could tell I was stronger. Like, it's a heavy burden to be good looking. Uh, it's like, God help me. Okay, sorry. And they have average humor, okay? The humor sometimes works and sometimes it doesn't. But I know that God can change any heart, anybody, anytime, anywhere, no matter what you've done and where you come from. How many say amen? God can change your heart, young man. God can cleanse your mind and take it out of the gutter. This morning, he can take, take your mind and cleanse your mind and cleanse your heart. It doesn't mean that you're, you're going to be a robot. You're not going to be, you're going to continue to be human and you're going to struggle with your flesh. But God can change your heart. The way you see people, the way you see yourself, the, the way you act toward others, you begin to be more willing and sacrificial and deferential and humble and open and wanting to serve God, wanting and desiring to serve God. Oh God, create in me a pure heart, a clean heart, and then renew a right spirit. Renew this righteous spirit within me, a steadfast spirit, and then don't take me from your presence and don't take away your spirit from me. Take me not, O oh God, from your presence, and, and, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That's what David's prayer was and is, and everybody's prayer should be this, this morning. How many say amen? <clears throat> so how do you love God with all your heart, with all your soul? That's your emotions. That means sincerely, completely with your emotions. And with all your mind, that means intellectually you can love God. You can plan your day. You can plan your week. You can plan your month around God. You can plan when you're going to read and your devotional time and your time with God intellectually with all your mind and then with all your efforts, with your best efforts is your strength, is, the, is to ask God or, or the way you love God with all your heart is to desire, to ask God to place the desire to trust him, to please and obey God, the desire to trust, please and obey the Lord your God. Um, this is what John says the, uh, in the 14th uh, chapter of John, verse 21, that whosoever loves, whoever has my commandments, whoever has my commandments and keeps them um, is the one who loves me. Like whoever just, just embraces my commandments and you keep them. That is proof evidence that you really love God. You just can't say you love God and not obey his commandments. Uh, that, is, um, uh, um, that is controversial, if you will. That is contravening what you're saying. The Lord who loves me uh, will be loved by my Father. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them. And I will show myself. I will reveal myself to them. Here's a, a, a statement that I'd like for you to just embrace. That divine favor is the fruit of obedience. Divine favor, like God's hand, God's blessing, God opens doors, God moves you, God heals you, God heals your relationships. Divine favor is the fruit, uh, is the outcome of obedience. And obedience uh, is trust in action. Obedience is trusting God in action. Is trusting God's word and saying, I'm going to I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust God. Um, and then um, obedience is the result of trust. Trust is the result of knowing God. And knowing God is because you've spent time with God. You've spent time uh, with God in a devotional, in a life group. I'd like to uh, just pause here. 
Um, and I want to ask everybody, I want to invite everyone because I have this, this confidence, this conviction, uh, this next Wednesday at seven o'clock, if you want to have like an encounter with God, if you want to sense God at a supernatural level, um, have a breakthrough, ask God for the endowment, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, with the evidence of what Paul was saying, speaking in, in tongues of angels, angelic tongues. I want to invite you, 7 o'clock this Sunday, I mean this Wednesday, Wednesday at 7, I'd like for you to come this the, a time of revival. 7 o'clock Wednesday. It was going to be, worship is going to be powerful. There's a, an evangelist that's a friend of mine all over the world. Uh, Michael French has gone all over the world. And everywhere God takes them, there's signs and wonders that follow. There's like healings and miracles and the baptism and fire of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage you. I want to invite you. I don't want to hype it up. I put a, 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 a social media that, that maybe a lot of times we tend to sensationalize or use hyperbole. But I really believe with all my heart that uh, Wednesday is a service you should not miss. Um, number three, if you're going to love God with all your heart, you need a new heart. Um, you're going to need the desire to please and obey God. And God can put you the desire. Do you know that in, 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 in um, Philippians chapter 2, do you know that it says that God gives you both the desire and the to-do? I'm going to say that again. That God can give you the desire. Um, I was in school... And man, God put the desire to, for me to finish college because college is just, just, it was very rough, very poor, very financially. It was a struggle just to make it to buy the books and do registration. And it was easier to quit. But God put in my heart stick to the desire and then the ability to finish the college. When I was done, I became a teacher, an English teacher at Delano High School. Um, and then God put the desire to work on a master's degree, on a master's degree. So he put the desire. It was so intense that I knew it, it wasn't me. I knew it was from God that, it, that I earned two master's degrees from one summer to the next summer. Two. A master's in curriculum and instruction and a master's in administrative uh, ed, uh, uh, educational administration. But within this one-year span, like I had this fire. I knew it wasn't me. I knew it wasn't, I didn't, the studious me. It was a lot of work, but I would wake up and I had this passion, this desire. You know what the Bible says, Philippians chapter 2, that if you ask God, he'll give you the desire to do his will. And then he'll give you the ability, the umph, the get going, the, the tools, um, the energy, the doors, the friendships um, the, that you're going to need. He gives you both the desire, the will, and the to-do. The will and the ability to complete it. How many say amen? Because that's what a lot of us need. But, but number three, you need to eliminate <coughs> competing loves. You need to eliminate. If you want to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, eliminate competition. Um, like, I, I thank God for all the men that are here. You love soccer. You love football. And, but you've decided to, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to let that compete with God. I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to listen to the word of God. I'm going to worship. And you know what God does? God smiles. All you've done is you've taken an idol and you're putting it away. You're vanquishing it. You're, you're demonstrating by your actions that God is number one in your life. It is one way to demonstrate that God is number one. So you put away the devices. You put away pornography. You put away, you get away from all those friends that are not your friends. Uh, all those things that are competing. Uh, and all those relationships that you should not have. They're not right. They're not good relationships. They're, they're, uh, they'll devastate. They'll undermine what God has for you. 
So you get away and you get rid and you eliminate competing uh, loves. Uh, things or people, uh, uh, practices, activities uh, that you know in your heart uh, are not God's best plan for your life. You eliminate them. Uh, the Bible says that he who loves the father, he, he who loves even your father or your mother more than me, more, notice the, 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 the comparison, the contrast, more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus said that. So even if you love your, your family more than you love God, that's a competing love. Why? Because your family did not die for you at the cross. Jesus died for you. Nobody loves you more than God. And loving God more than everything else settles it. And it puts you in a position to be blessed. Um, when uh, Peter fell and he denied Jesus, Jesus three times, when Jesus restores him in John chapter 20, Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your friends? More than the fish? More than fishing? Do you love me more? Because God wants to know whether you love him the best, whether you love God more or the best. Uh, do not love this world or anything in this world. If anyone loves the world, uh, the love uh, for the Father is not in them. The love for the Father is not in them. So Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You're either going to hate, love one and hate the other. You're going to embrace one and despise the other. But no one can serve uh, two masters uh, and do it in a way that pleases God. And then Jesus shares the second of the commandment. The second part of this commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, and all your strength. And then love your neighbor, your neighbor, your friend, your colleague, uh, the, the person there that you don't know. Love them as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And it takes us to our final one. So how do you love God with all your heart? You love him with a new heart that God is going to give some of you this morning. Love them through the desire, the desire to trust and please and obey God. So ask God, God, put the desire in my heart to please and obey you. And then by eliminating those distractions, other attention grabbers, and that come and steal and want to have you put idols. The Lord says in the uh, Exodus chapter 20, you shall not have any other gods before me. No idols. You shall have no other gods and no idols before me. And uh, uh, when you love others, when you begin to love others, do you know that in the Old Testament, it tells us to love God. There's a commandment in Deuteronomy to love God in the Old Testament, to love our neighbors. So in uh, Leviticus chapter 19, to love your neighbors. So this is not new. So Jesus was not sharing fresh revelation. Everybody that was there, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, uh, the students of the law, these doctors of the law, all of them understood that what he was saying was Old Testament. But then he goes right on and he gives them, but I give you a new command. I give you a new commandment um, to love one another, to love one another. That was not in the Old Testament per se. And then he says it this way, uh, just as I have loved you to the degree and the way and the manner, the nature of the way I love you, that's how you are supposed to or you must love one another. This was a new commandment to love one another. This new one command. So love others the way God has loved you. Love others the way Jesus has loved you. That is like a game changer. That is like a different level of love that is selfless love, sacrificial love, a giving, a surrendering love, uh, the kind of love that is uh, spoken of the five languages that a lot of you have read that book. Some of you have not. 
but there's ways for all of us to be able to love, express love to God, and the way God expresses love to us, the way we express love to each other. Um, one of them is to, by quality, by time, by stand, spending time with God. You love God, spend time with God. One of the ways that you could do is, is be in the presence of God, or if my wife and I, uh, we enjoy each other's company. And so there's physical touch. Well, I, I like taking her hand and, and just being physically. Sometimes kids try to get in between us uh, at home. And I get rid of them like a bad headache. Get out of here, kid. Because I'm with Linda. So, so I love my wife. So the other way is the acts of service. Acts of service. Uh, the, the way you serve one another. You give one another uh, um, words of affirmation. Where, honey, I love you. My wife says that all the time. Uh, honey, I love you. Um, and I say, I know that. Of course, I tell her. Like, why wouldn't you? And then we get into an argument. I'm just kidding. No. So we, just words of affirmation. And the other one is, is you can love people through gifts. And, or receiving and the giving of gifts. That is uh, my favorite way of having somebody love me. Is give me gifts. I'm still waiting for some of you to express love from the Lord toward my life. The gift has not come. <laughs> now that I've wounded some of you, would you close your eyes? Would you close your eyes? Worship team, would you guys help me? As a matter, would you stand up with me, church? Would you stand up with me? And I'm going to do this right now, um, right before. Um, so there's some of us that says, Pastor, I need a new start. You're not going to have a new start without a new heart. Uh, so I'm going to invite you right now to this altar. Um, we're going to make a quick prayer for you. Uh, but, but it's not going to happen. And it, everything starts with a, new, with a new heart. A new you. And you're not capable of changing yourself, mister or sister. None of us. You're not capable. You're not that good. You're not that smart. You're not that strong. Uh, you're not that intelligent. Is to be able to change your own heart. Uh, only God can change the heart. So I'd like to invite anyone who wants to come to this altar and says, Pastor, I need a new start. Uh, I want to ask God a new heart. What's happening in my heart is not, I'm not proud of what's happening in my heart. And, and I need to surrender. I need to give God an opportunity this morning to heal me. I'm hurt, Pastor. I'm struggling. Um, I'm depressed. I'm, I feel alone. I'm angry. Um, I'm I, I don't know what to do, what to, where to go. I need a fresh start. And for a fresh start, impossible without a new you, without a new heart. So I'd like to, as we sing this worship song, I'm going to ask the pastors that are here to help me pray. I'm going to pray for those of you that come. Uh, some of you may need a miracle, a breakthrough in your relationships. But I'd like for you to, just between you and God, the God that created you, the God that made you, the God that brought you to this earth is the God that can give you a new heart. I have no doubt it happened to me. I was a, a, a Christian all my life and I did not know how dark my heart was, how selfish I'd become, um, how arrogant, how prideful, how vain, uh, until just there in the presence of God, I said, God, <laughs> I need you to change me. I need you to change my heart. I didn't even want to be a minister. Didn't even want to serve God. I wanted to be a Christian and I wanted to go to heaven. That's it. And I wanted to be blessed. That's it. But I didn't have, I didn't have God's heart for people. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. 
I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at LifeHouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.